We ask you to take uh, this time we are gathered here to open up our hearts and our minds so that we can receive your word. Lord, I ask that you would give Roger and I the ability to be able to convey to the heart what you would have us convey. Lord, I ask you to be with each one of those that were mentioned here tonight. Lord, uh, the, the, the procedures, the waiting on test results, uh, the families that are grieving, or those that are trying to recover from a, a, a sickness that they picked up on the airplane, uh, those that are, uh, when I say grieving, or that lost loved ones, and also, Lord, uh, uh, those that quail me, uh, all um, they just need someone to pray for them, and, and Lord, that's, that's what we're called to do. Lord, I ask you to be with us. Country, I'd ask you to be with Israel. Uh, more importantly, Lord, I'd ask you to be with Jerusalem. And uh, Lord, I ask you to keep them all safe for the head of protection around. But we know that, that your plan is just. We know that uh, eventually, where that's going on is going to explode. Uh, but it's your will and it's your plan. And Lord, we just love you. And uh, we trust you in it. We know that uh, you're sovereign, you're just, and you're in control. Lord, we love you, and we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, for me, uh, I think we got about the, the verse 7. Uh, we're in chapter 7 uh, of the, the book of Romans, and I think we made it to about chapter 7, uh, or verse 7 last week. Uh, and so I'm going to start reading in 7 and go to about 12. And it says, so, so it says, depending on how your Bible broke down, it says, sin's advantage in the law. And um, so, so what shall we say then? Is the law sin? Certainly not. On the contrary, I would not have known sin except through the law. For I, I would have not have known um covetousness unless the law has said, uh, you shall not covet. But sin taking the opportunity by the commit or the commandment uh, produced in the manner in me and in producing the all manner of all evil desire. For apart from the law, sin was dead. I was alive once without the law, but when the commandment sin revealed and I died. Sin, sin revived, excuse me, revived and I died. And the uh, commandment, which was to bring life, I found to bring death. For sin, for sin, taking occasion by the commandment, deceived me. And by it killed me. Therefore, the law is holy and the commandment holy and just and good. Seems like that's a contradiction of what we've been talking about, but the law reveals sin. That was the whole purpose of the law, was to reveal the sin from the time it was dictated from the mouth of God to now. It is to reveal our sin. It is to reveal that we are in dire need of a Savior because we can't keep the law. Even if we try, we can't keep the law. And so the law does not cause sin, but reveals it. 
This is like a speed limit sign. Doesn't cause the person to speed, it rebuilds it. Think about this. If you're doing 55 miles an hour and the speed limit says 55, you don't have anything to worry about. But if you're doing 75 and the speed limit is 55, you have an issue. If you get caught. The problem is here, it is you're going to get caught because God wrote the law. And as soon as you be you become aware of the law is holy and the law is the word of God, then you realize how unholy and unrighteous we are. So the law is not sin in itself. Uh, sin is what produces evil desires in seven eight. Uh, sin deceives us and kills us, Romans 7-11. The law is what helps us to know sin. Sin is shown to be exceedingly sinful by the commandment, Romans 7-13. The law says that we are not to covet. Sin shows uh, that we do not love our neighbors as ourselves, Romans 13 9. We don't love our neighbor ourselves. If we did, we would treat them like we treat ourselves. Now, some of us don't have a lot of respect for our own selves, and we don't treat ourselves well. But for the most part, just out of human nature, the way God presented us and designed us, we're not going to typically hurt ourselves. Not on purpose. Not unless there's some underlying issue that causes that. But we're not supposed to hurt ourselves. Think about it. Are you going to meet it? You know, I've talked about it before. Are you going to match your hand with a hammer grip and call it? I want to. No. And I ain't going to match yours either. Am I going to go over there and stick my hand in a pot of boiling water? No. Why? God, it hurts. I'm not going to stick yours in there either. And so, that's what the point of sin is. Sin is to show us that we need a Savior, that we are evil and that we are unlike. That is the whole point of sin, the point of the God. And the law, and the law is what causes sin to be revealed. The only way that we can understand that there is sin is we have to have a we have to have a, a marker. And God's plan and God's standard is perfect. The Ten Commandments are perfect. You can't keep them, but they are perfect. That's the standard. The only way that you're going to find relief is because somebody paid the price for perfection to be bestowed upon us. That's the process of Jesus Christ. That's the reason he went to the cross. And in Israeli law, or in Israel history, it was he went to redeem the creation. The creation. Now he went and took the cross for the sin to redeem the creation. He was the perfect, he was the lamb. He was the perfect sacrifice. Why do you think they call him the lamb of God? Remember when you go back to the go back to the uh, to the sacrifice? It had to be what? Perfect. It had to be acceptable. Remember Cain and Abel? One gave his offering from the best. The other one gave his offering from what was left over, and God didn't like it. And God told him, he said, all you have to do is give me your best, and you'll be redeemed, you'll be, you'll be okay. But he, he got that for it, and he got in trouble, and they killed his brother. So when it sold it, 
a rock crying out. But anyway, that's what we have this for, to show us that we have a need uh, for it to tend to be revealed and we reveal through the wall. Boy, you've been sitting over here. Getting all the buttons on the yeah. There's a perspective here. Um, the law, the law, and you said Jesus, mm-hmm. uh, he fulfilled the law perfectly. But, but, but Paul's talking about the law here. Paul's talking about it in the midst of being born again. Okay? And, and when you go through this, you're, you're going to be hard pressed to see what, what he's saying about being born again in the light of him doing what he doesn't want to do. The whole point here is that the law is what he's talking about. And we can't lose perspective through this. The law has something for Paul in here that he doesn't really say. He was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He carried the law. And he's not talking about killing in the Ten Commandments. He's talking about coveting. Coveting what? The law. He weaponized the law. He's carrying the law to the people. He's carrying the law to the Christian. Thinking. Thinking. He's honoring the law. And he's broken it. He says it in this chapter. He's broken the law. And he's saying, I coveted it. I coveted it. I coveted it. I coveted it. It's so poignant. So he is, he is making his handling of the law his God. He's for God. Well, he knows. He knows at this point. But you will see. He goes to the first person past tense. And then he swings to the 40 times. He swings to the first person first person present and he has used it 40 times and he's not done that up to this point in the chapter he's not swung to this I this, I that, I that if you read down through this chapter chapter 7 is the antithesis or the opposite of chapter 6 which we just saw we don't sin anymore we are no longer slaves to the sin we're no longer, we will no longer have a master. And he's personified sin as an authority over your life in chapter 6. Now he claims to the present. Oh, actually, he, he's doing an autobiography of the past. He's getting us. He's getting us. He's laying this anticipation for the way that we have been so that we understand, again, the law. And it's so hard to, for, for a lot of, even John MacArthur, to say, what is going on? Why is he swinging back and forth? Hey, hey, hey. It goes like it. You know, the law is what causes him to be revealed. Right, so in verse 8, it says, Sin deceives us and brings death to us. Romans 7, 11. Sin dwells in us and causes us to break the commandments. And that's 717, which we hadn't got there. Why did sin dwell in us? We inherited it. We inherited it. When Adam and Eve sinned, we're their descendants. When when God let 
Noah and, and Shem and Ham and their family stay on the ark and not be wiped out by the flood. We inherited it because they were they were inherited. They, they were offspring of Adam and Eve. And so we are offspring of them. And so we inherited that. It is hereditary. Sin is hereditary. And so uh, sin causes all mankind of evil desires. Sin causes us all kinds of evil desires. Sin causes mankind evil desires. We all have evil desires. Sin causes us to be drawn away from our own desires. <coughs> our own desires as Christians is to worship God and to be straight down there. To give everything as a sacrifice to Him. But what keeps us from doing that? We get drawn away. We get sidetracked by what? Sin. Idolatry, whatever that may be to you. Mainly pride, pride, pride. None, nobody in here likes being told they're wrong. Nobody. Nobody in here likes being told that they don't know what they're talking about. Nobody in here likes for somebody to point out their faults. Nobody. I mean, you get angry when it happens. You'll change the subject. You'll manipulate the conversation to get it off of that. Even when God does. Yeah. That's right. Even when the Lord does it, what do we do? We make excuses. We go to the Lord in prayer and we make excuses. We spin this thing. We're all spin on it. We spin it to where it's not as bad as we know He knows it is. And He knows how bad it is. But yet, He kills us and lets us come to it. And we do our little spin work and we do this and we do that. And then you hear quietly and come. I mean, I can hear him now. Do you hear him now? Come on, man. You know I know. Why don't you just tell me? Why don't you just tell me? You know I know. Remember when your parents talked to you doing something? We spun that. We learned at our age how to spin that. Because we knew it was going to be painful. And what happened? The more you spun, the worse it got. And then eventually you had to pay a high price. And so we treat God the same way. Exactly. And I want to I want to add on to what the law was we talked about. Yes. That was James 1, 14 and 15. The scriptures are just glorious, sir. Um, in Romans it says in the commandment which was ordained in life, all signed. I found to be unto death. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in chains of childbirth right up to the present time. Now, not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we eagerly await our adoption to sonship. Already, but not yet the redemption of our bodies. But then it goes to, in, in Philippians 3, 5, 6, and 7, circumcised the eighth day. Listen to him tell who he is. Of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, and Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law, a Pharisee. See how he's, make, he's taking control of the law? The next verse, 
concerning zeal persecuted the church, thinking he was just. Touching the righteousness which is in the law. Touching it. Blameless. Blameless. And but what things were gained to me, those I counted but loss. And listen what Jesus says to this in Mark, in Mark 10, 20, and Mark 10, 21. And this rich young ruler says, And he answered and said unto the Master, All these have I observed from my youth, the law. And Jesus, beholding him, loved him. Do you understand what Jesus is saying? He understands the guy has fulfilled the law the way he sees it. He's deceived. He doesn't understand. But Jesus actually says, then Jesus beholding him, loved him for saying he upheld the law. That made no sense to me before. And it does now. And one thing thou lackest, go thy way, sell whatever thou hast, and give it to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven. And come, take up the cross and follow me. That's a wide open door. To a guy who's just told him he upheld the law with Jesus is going to fulfill the law. It, it's so poignantly, diametrically opposed between a sinful guy and one who's sinless. And yet Jesus said, I, he loved him. You know, he loves us. He loves us. This is the law. He, Jesus understands the law, the intent of the law. It wasn't to save anybody. Jesus was there to sit here. So those, those fall into place perfectly in this chapter that Paul is trying to explain to us. But, right. It's incredible. And so it's still in verse 8. He says, sin would be dead if it were not for the law. If it were not for the law, sin would be dead. Sin is revealed by the law as transgression, Romans 4.15. Sin now has no excuse because it is revealed by the law and Christ, John 15, 22. The law revealed it, and then Christ revealed it, and so we have no excuse. Well, we have no excuse to say we were ignorant of the law. Have you ever stood in a courtroom and tell the judge you didn't know that? You didn't know that law existed? What will the judge say? Ignorance is no excuse for the law. It's not saying that you're stupid. It's not saying that you don't, you know, if you don't know. Ignorance just means you haven't been exposed to it. If you're a regular human being, I can assure you that you don't know every statute in the state of North Carolina. Not only that, I can assure you that every law enforcement officer doesn't know every statute in the state of North Carolina. Every judge does not know that, and every attorney doesn't know. That's why they have volumes in their office. That's why they have clerks to go search that for. We know the law. They're simple. They're simple. And then the Pharisees and the Sadducees and some others decided to make it more, more complicated and added 600 and some more. And they couldn't keep it. They couldn't keep him. How are they going to keep 600? They were trying to justify their thing. They were trying to justify their thing and keeping more onto the people laws that they couldn't even keep. 
And so, and that's what it's revealed to us through Jesus Christ, John 15, 22. Sin finds its strength in the law, 1 Corinthians 15, 56. When you understood that you needed a, a Savior, were you thinking about the law, all the laws that you broke? Were you thinking about all the commandments of God that you had trampled on? Either out of ignorance or didn't care? And what happened? When you come to understand that you had, you were an enemy of the Most High God, what happened to you? When you had, I, I had a, a very, very, very traumatic experience coming across. So traumatic it still holds in that. All these years later, I was probably 16, 17, somewhere, when I really understood what it was about. It was traumatic. So much so that it never left me. It never left me. I don't ever want to feel that alone and that need again. And I have. I have. Because of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. The law causes us to know that we are dead. That night, when I came to Christ, I was as dead as I was ever going to be. Spiritually, I was dead. Physically, I was headed that way. My, my, my destiny was set. I was going to bust hell wide open because of the very simple fact I wasn't saved. My name wasn't written in the Lamb's Book of Life. I had not turned my life over to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And that's what this thing is so important about. That's what it's talking about. That we thought we had life apart from the law. Paul thought he was blameless because of the law. Philippians 3, 4 and 6. Which, which Roger didn't talk about. He thought he was blameless. He was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He was a, he was a chief prosecutor of the law. He was the judge, jury, and executioner. He had it all rolled up into one. We got to know or we got to know that sin through the law. We got to know sin through the law. How often do we know that we were sinning without going through the law? The law sets the standard. The standard is moral. The moral standard is set by God Almighty. It had to be somebody outside of this to be able to set the moral code because a human could not set the moral code because we are flawed. A human can't keep perfection, so therefore they will always find a gray area. The Ten Commandments are black and white. You either keep them or you don't. There is no, there's no middle. There's about 600 other laws that the Jews come up with with the gray area. You know how you get gray? Remember back when you were in school? You take a black crayon and a white crayon and you mix them and you get gray. You mix wrong and right and you get gray. And today, gray is covering tremendous amount of people. They're always looking for an out. And there's only one out. And that out is Jesus Christ. These unwritten laws were Sinai with Moses. That's where they started. They were carried down through the oral traditions as the theologians make it out. And it's seen as Mark 7, 5. And as these Oral traditions came down. They went. They came down through the ages, right to the Maccabees, and that's where the Pharisees were started. That's where the four sects—Pharisees, Sadducees, 
zealots, and Essenes. Those four sects were born out of the Maccabees, Judas Maccabees. And then it came down to 10 BC, right before Jesus, which is considered what, 4 BC? Somewhere in there was born. And in that time, they, they sealed this concept that the, they had. What happened in Maccabees? What happened in that fight where, for a brief time, the Jews were liberated? That's Hanukkah. That's where Hanukkah is celebrated. That's where it was born. Hanukkah. We hear about that today. But at just the right time, as Romans 5, uh, 6, 7, and 8, at just the right time, Jesus enters this whole story. And Paul now is it's huge. This story is absolutely huge. And Paul's trying to take a piece of it just in the law and try to filter it out. And he he's having his hands full here in Acts. It says, Acts 15, 10, now then, why do you try to test God by putting on the necks of the Gentiles a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors could bear it? Now he understands it. Paul is toggling between the time when he didn't quite understand it, when it was dawn. He's talking about his conscience here. He's talking about where he got this, where he felt it. And it's spread out through the New Testament, how he, how he says later how he felt about what he did to the Gentiles. Now his, his main thrust, his main ambition is the Gentiles. To take this, what, the law, and he's talking about it here, so that the Roman church, made up of both Jews and Gentiles, the Jews are saying, what about the law? And the Gentiles here, this is the unheard question here, that most you'll find in the commentary. The Jews are saying, what about the law? You mean the law is gone? And, and, and the Gentiles are saying, oh, let's go back to the law, live by the law. We've got to resurrect the law. We've got to have works of righteousness. The whole issue, the whole issue with all of that is that the law shows all people guilty before God. It doesn't matter whether you're a Jew, it doesn't matter whether you're a Gentile, it doesn't matter if you've never heard it. All people are guilty before God. Romans 3, 19 and 20. We've done read that back a couple chapters ago. Alright? We realize that we were dead in sin because of the law. We didn't know we were dead in sin. We didn't know we were sin until we had the law, until we read the law and found out what the law was. We must die to the law to live unto God. Let me repeat that. We must die to the law to live unto God. Galatians 2, 19. The law brought death instead of life. It did. Seven, uh, that's 7.10, verse 10. It says the law was to bring life. The law caused many to try to justify themselves. In Luke 10, 27 uh, to 29. That's what, that's what Paul's talking about. When he said he was a Hebrew of the Hebrew, the Pharisee of the Pharisee carried the law. He was trying to justify himself with the law. And you can't be justified by the law. Unless you're Jesus Christ. 
Jesus Christ is the only one who was justified by law because he never broke it. He was the only one who had the authority to amend or add to the law because he was the author of it. He was the author of the Ten Commandments. He was there when Moses received it. If, if you cannot see idolatry and covetousness coming together, go to Colossians 3, 5. Mortify, therefore, your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil, covetousness, and covetousness which is idolatry, right. Paul's work. So he knew he was idolizing that and coveting, by coveting, he was making it an idol, and he coveted the law. See, the law brought death instead of life. The law instead brought death. The law was actually a ministry of death. Second Corinthians 3 says, if you, if you follow the law, you're going to die. Not my word, but that's the word of the Lord. If you follow the law, you're going to die. There's only one way to to supersede that, and that is through the blood of Christ. And so Paul is he's, he's leading there. He's trying to get there. Christians do not mature through self-effort. Uh, and so uh, the law, okay, we're, I'm going to start in verse 12, uh, or verse 13, excuse me. It says, the law cannot save from sin. Right? It says, uh, have then what is let's see, have then what is what is good become death to me? Certainly not. But sin that is uh, that it might appear sin was producing death in and through what is good. So the, the sin through the com command might become exceedingly sinful. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal. Sold under the uh, sold under the sun, sold under sin, for what I am doing I do not understand. For what I will to do that I do not practice. But what I hate that I do, and if the law uh, that is good, uh, but now it is no longer I who do it. But sin that dwells in me, that but I no longer do it, but sin that dwells in me. For I know that I that I know that in me that is in my flesh nothing good dwells for uh, or to will is present with me. But how to perform what is good I do not find. Let me stop right there. Um, so Self-effort cannot produce victory over the flesh. Uh, I do not understand what I do, verse 15. I, do, I cannot understand why I do what I do. We do, very, we do the very things we do not want to do, Romans 7, 19 and 20. Think about this. I don't want to say bad words. I don't. But you let me get up in the middle of the night, after I told them kids, the grandkids, to pick that stuff up and put it up, and I headed to the little man's room and step on a Lego in the middle of the night, I'm not about to say bad words. 
But if you've ever stepped on a foam pack with a thousand little tricklers on it, that's what a Lego feels like. And it will cause you to say, mash your thumb. Mash your thumb when I have a high security. You ain't going to be saying, oh, hallelujah, that ain't coming out of your mouth. But we will to do good. We get angry. We try not to let certain words come out of our mouth. But if you're angry, you have no control. What does God tell us? Anger. Anger is not good. You can't control it. The most vicious weapon on the face of the earth is the tongue, and we can't control it. And so, he's saying, I cannot understand why I do what I do. I can't, I mean, long story short, uh, we do the very things that we don't want to do. We do them because we still, even though we're saved, guess what's still present in our body? The nature. The sin nature. We're dead to it, but it's like taking an old motor, like I talked about, taking an old car and taking it, put it and having them back and bring it back. There's still revenue and nooks and crannies that you can't get out from the old motor, from the old oil, the old life of that motor. God has taken us. He gave us a new heart. He didn't give us a new body. He gave us a new heart. And so we still have an old mind. We still have an old body. But we can go forward because of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. We can live holy and try to obtain a holy life because of the Holy Ghost. And our submission to it. I want to do what's right, but I don't. I, I do not do it. We cannot do the things that we wish when we are led by the flesh. Galatians 5 17. We realize that none of us are just in all things. Ecclesiastes 7 1. Not one of us is perfect in all things. No matter. We may be doing great over here. But there's something right here we ain't doing too good with. And we might not, we might not want to discuss it, and it might tear us up and make us squeeze when we get to that verse where it sticks to it. And we'll just want to move on past it rather than dwell on it. Because we know, we know that we're evil. I do evil, which is the very thing I hate. It's not just talking about my acting, it's talking about my thoughts. Let me tell you something. I can have some evil thoughts. I can think some bad things about people. We all stumble in many things. James 